Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins is brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta injury lawyers. Go to jameshbrown.com. All right, 2.40 left in the first half. Uh, raining again in Ottawa. Hamilton leading the game 6-3. There was a weather delay earlier. Blue Jays leading the Angels 4-1 in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, hopefully good weather tomorrow for the Elks and the Lions at Commonwealth. 3.30 for the countdown to kickoff here on 6.30 Ched. And the game is at 5. And I'm pleased to welcome from the Lions broadcast crew, Julio Caravata checking in tonight. Julio, it's Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, Reed. How are you? It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm going to start here with uh, all the rain I've been seeing here in uh, Ottawa. Worst <laughs> weather you ever played in? Oh, worst weather. Um, I think it would probably be Saskatchewan. Uh, we played at the end of the year, right around October 30th. And I remember it was snowing and the wind was probably at least 30 miles an hour. And it was just like, it was just, it was just ridiculous. And the other thing I do remember about that game too was 1991 and Doug Flutie was our quarterback. And I remember Doug Flutie was running around like it was, he was playing a pickup football game in his backyard. Um, And he thought it was just as fun as it could be. And Saskatchewan was, Saskatchewan, I think they were, it was the last game of the year. They were out of the playoffs. And I think most of the guys, not in fact, I think all of them had their cars packed in the dry, in the parking lot, ready to go after the game. They wanted nothing to do with that game. <laughs> so, anyways, yeah, that was probably the worst weather. Uh, you know, I've dealt a little bit of rain, but none of the monsoon stuff that uh, I've seen of late. Like, that's like it's crazy how hard it's been coming down rain-wise, and um, I don't think I've ever played in a game like that. Uh, that's that's quite a memory. The snow and the wind combined, must, uh, and I'm sure with uh, the wind chill, fun. it must have felt like minus eighty. Oh my gosh! Yes, yeah, uh, it was it was hilarious. Uh, so that was uh, your first year in the CFL, uh, BC Lions, 1991. That was the year Doug Flutie came to the CFL and started his uh, great career here in Canada. What, what was it like? Like, what was he like joining the CFL after all the hype mm-hmm. he had in college and in the NFL? How did how how did he how did he fit in? Was he pretty good at it? Oh yeah, no, no, he was. I mean, he threw for 6,600 yards that year. We played in six overtime games that year with him. Um, yeah, I know Doug was, uh, Doug was fantastic. I think the other thing too, like, you know, I mean, he's by far and away the best player I've ever been around. Um, no question. Um, and I think the one thing that I'll take away from him is his competitiveness. Like he was just, you could tell that he walked around with a chip on his shoulder at all times because of, you know, having to deal with everyone and doubting his ability. And, um, I think that's why he enjoyed playing football up here for as long as he did because you know it wasn't about his size and about you know anything like that it was about what he was doing on the field and he truly just loved the game like he loved this game and 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 how creative he could be and um he was just he was just a joy to be around and uh yeah I learned a lot from him and um you know so that's that you know I mean those memories of those that year you know they'll never they'll never fade away they, he was just unbelievable that year well, and look, he won. Uh, he won three Grey Cups. He wound up staying in the uh, in the Canadian Football League for. Oh, I guess he joined the Lions in '90. So he was. So yeah, '90. Yeah, he came halfway. Through, he came at the beginning, I think, 
I, I want to say that in 90, he came, I think like just before or just after training camp, just before the beginning of the season. So yeah. So that would have been his first year. His second year was in 91, but um, he stayed to what? 98. Yeah, 97 he played in Toronto. They won the Grey Cup here, and then and right. then he went back. Like, Did he did he talk about wanting to get back to the, the NFL, or did he never no. bring that into the dressing room? No, he, ne- he never talked about that. No. You know, he I think he, at that time he talked occasionally, if we did talk about certain things, he would talk about the fact that, you know, that he, he, there was just such a, a – a, a, he, he just felt like he was never going to get a real chance down there because of his height and 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 really the thing about him too is that you know if someone had the foresight to build an offense around what he did really well and now you look at what those offenses are doing down there they're built around a guy like him and his skill set right the ability to move around in the pocket use your feet run around ad lib um back then my god i can remember you know i mean he would say that they would scream and yell at you if you got outside the pocket because they thought you ruined the play Right. <laughs> um, so you know, I mean, it's it's it's. I, hey, I played one year in NFL Europe. Just a quick little story. And Doug Nussmeyer was one of the quarterbacks. Remember Doug, Doug Nussmeyer? Oh, I remember the name. I don't remember. Yeah, he his, played at Idaho. He played okay. Few, he played in the he played in the NFL for about five or six years. And and he was a mobile guy. He moved right up. And I was this was NFL Europe. And and um, Don Strock. You remember Don Strock? No, nope. the backup quarterback for he was the backup quarterback in Miami when Dan Marino was there. Oh, okay, so he didn't see a anyways, lot of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you didn't see a lot of them. But anyways, he was trying to get into coaching, and so we were practicing. And Nussmeyer, he dropped back, and you know nothing was there, and he scrambled out of there, and he was running around, and and you know he ends up completing a ball like fifty yards, and Don Strock yelled at him for about five minutes straight, telling him how he ruined the play and how dare him get outside the pocket. You know, the, the play is designed, you go from this read to this read to dump it to the back. Like, you can't ad-lib. That's going to kill us. And I'm just thinking, my God, my God, like how far we have evolved. Well, so anyways, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's funny how the game has changed. And, and, the, and the thing is, too, is like down in the States now, too, the game, the quarterbacks, everything, those quarterbacks that are – Super successful down there now were the quarterbacks that were coming up here 15 years ago. Well, I remember even when Michael Vick came into the uh, NFL about 20 yeah. years ago. I, I, re- I remember reading like this article on, I don't know if it was on Sports Illustrated or ESPN.com, and, and one reporter like mockingly said, they're never going to win with wide receiver Michael Vick at quarterback. Yeah, like they no. looked at his skill set and didn't value it as a quarterback. No, no, you're absolutely right. And there, how long was it that, you know, you had to be 6'4", you had to be able to throw the ball 70 yards in the air. You had to have a big arm. You had to do all that stuff. And, um, you know, that was the prerequisite, right? And so, you know, it's, it's, it's come a long way. And um, it's, it's a much more exciting game now for the most part than it ever was because of that, that you know, mobility of the quarterback and his ability to make plays with his feet. So, um, but, uh, yeah. So it's, it's interesting how it's all come about. All right. Speaking of, uh, of, of quarterbacks, the difference for the Lions with uh, Evans rather than Adams? Well, I, I think, you know, Dane, Dane is an experienced quarterback. You know, he's been around. He's, he's a guy that uh, has, has been in great cups and um, has had success. And, and obviously last year, I think, you know, struggled with his confidence and um, needed a fresh start. And, and, and coming to BC with the scenario that he had in front of him, he thought this was the best opportunity to – you know, to, to, to reset himself. And um, I, for one, I'm really excited about, you know, seeing him play tomorrow, uh, play tomorrow 
Uh, he's a guy that, uh, you know, has all the attributes that you want. He's, he's mobile. He can move around. He's got a big arm. He can throw the ball downfield. Uh, smart. And uh, I thought last week, you know, given the scenario, it's, it's very difficult to, as a quarterback when you're, you know, in, in the course of a, of a, of a practice, you're getting, you know, out of 20 reps with the, with the first team, you're getting three. And so I think what you saw last week was a guy that, you know, hadn't seen very much game time and, and the game was going very, very fast. And, and that's something that's tough to adjust to when you have been the backup, when you're doing everything mentally and writing it down and not getting the actual physical reps and, and, and getting the, at least a little bit of what it would be like in a game. So um, I'm expecting this week with a full week of practice with the first team and a lot of reps. And um, I know he's super excited about getting a chance. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, given his experience that, well, you know, we should, we should expect a pretty decent performance. Uh, Julio, before I let you go, I mean, you know the quarterback position well, and I know this might be a little tough for you to answer because you rarely missed a throw or had a bad game. <laughs> but, I, I mean, Cornelius is, is struggling here. I had Mookie yeah. Mitchell on a couple days ago, and Mookie, from a receiver's per- perspective, said, look, you can't drop a ball. If he throws it into the stands, you got to go get it and catch it for him to give him some yeah. confidence. Uh, but you've, you, you know, you've seen quarterbacks struggle. You've played that position. How, mm-hmm. how do you get it back? on track when you're having such a tough year like corny is well i think i think the other other big part of this component the component is yeah he, he is obviously struggling and what you really i think really what it comes down to is coaching and and you need to be able to find plays that will give him calm especially early on you know whether you're getting the ball out of his hand safe reads and you know quick screens and Get people involved, and and most importantly, I think, you need to be able to run the football. And they've been doing a much better job of that, because I think when you, in their case, in a few times, you know, in in a few games, when they get behind a little bit, then all of a sudden you start chasing, right? You need to be able to dictate the pace. And I think if you can run the ball, have success on first down, then all of a sudden, when you're in second and medium. Now you can throw a quick screen. You can throw a quick hitch. You can let him use his feet to try to run for a first down. He needs success early. So I think they really need to hone in on what he does well, what he's super comfortable with, and then you, have to, you just have to trust it and, and get him out there. And I, and I know when you're, you're struggling with confidence, it's very difficult if, if things start to slip away on you early on that you, th- you, you start to think, okay, here we go again. So uh, early in a game, I think it's so important that they get him going and get his confidence going because I, I'm, I'm not just saying this because I'm on Edmonton Radio, but I like him. I really think that he has all the skill set that you need to be successful. And it just goes to show you sometimes mentally and confidence-wise that when you don't have it, it can have such a huge impact on your game. But as far as the physical set, he has everything. It's just a, a you know getting getting comfortable and getting confident with your ability and um, you know hopefully for the people here in Edmonton because I know how much they love their their football that he's able to get things turned around and and this organization gets it turned around because you know I know no one wants to talk about you know not winning any uh, or, or losing streak and how many how many years it's been that you haven't won at home so um, you know hopefully um, you know for the league's sake that, uh, you know, Taylor's able to go out and, and, and you know, get over this hump and, and, and start really kind of, you know, plowing ahead and, and being, a, a, you know, I think a potential star in this league. 
Julio, always love your perspective. Have a great call tomorrow, my friend. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Cheers. Take care. Have a great night. From the BC Lions Audio Network, Julio Caravana. Okay, when we'll get back, we've been talking about her uh, all night. Eileen Park from Red Deer, 14 years of age, the Canadian Junior Golf Champ. She won that tournament yesterday. Coming up. Okay, Brad emailing in. He says he uh, went to school with Grant Fuhr in Spruce Grove in 1978. That is pretty cool. This next guest is very cool. She is from Red Deer, 14 years of age. Yesterday, she won the Canadian Junior Golf Championship. It's a U19 uh, tournament, and she won it at the age of 14. Eileen Park checking in. Eileen, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good, you? I'm doing very well. Congratulations. You did something pretty special here over the last few days. How does it feel to be the uh, Canadian Junior Golf Champion? Uh, it feels amazing because um, it's one of my biggest uh, win yet. Um, it just shows off how much I put work into golf, and I actually came up with good results and won. So what other tournaments have you won besides this one that were, were, were really important to you? Uh, I won the U19 in Alberta twice last year and this year and i won a couple mjt tournaments um the u13 provincial tournament twice and the u15 provincial okay so so you said you've won u19 provincials a couple times now you've won u19 nationals and just remind everybody how old are you 14 14. So you're beating golfers who are a few years older than you. I, I, I mean, how how difficult is that? You must be really, really good already. Um, in Alberta, I'm used to playing with bigger girl, girls with me. Um, so when I go to bigger tournaments, I feel more comfortable playing with bigger girls than my age. Okay, so, so you're used to it, uh, but still, you, you're pretty good. Tell uh, this tournament you just won a four round tournament, and I was looking at your scores. You shot a better score each round. How were you able to do that? Um, after every round, I practiced on the putting green for an hour and just like hit a few balls on the range just to get the feel of my swing again. And then, then I went to the hotel and then ate and then slept. And then did the same routine again for the next three days. Okay. And you wound up winning by seven shots, though I know it was close and you kind of pulled away. When did you feel, I got this, I'm going to win? Um, on the last day after nine. Um, that's when I actually knew that I was going to win. You knew you had it if you just kept it in play, I guess, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh- do you ever get, I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty young to be playing at such a high level already. Do you get nervous or have you worked on being strong mentally as well? Um, it got better, but I feel, I was really nervous yesterday on the first tee. I was like, after the first hole, my hand was shaking because um, I was so nervous. I couldn't write the score on the scorecard. Oh, wow. So you were a little jittery to start the final round then. Okay. Yeah. Well, it, it went pretty well. Um, so I, I'm curious, 
How old were you when you started golfing? Because I assume you would have had to start pretty early to be this good when you're 14. Um, my first tournament was when I was six. Your first tournament was when you were six. Okay, so but you yes. would have been playing for a little while before you you entered a tournament. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How did you remember how you did in your first tournament? Uh, the only thing I remember is I got second place. You got second place. Well, hey, for not bad. Yeah. So, so, so did you, were you just, I know you work at it, but when you started golfing, was there, were you kind of just naturally good at it? Did you pick it up pretty quickly? Um, not really. I just, at first, I just followed my dad to the diaries to hit a couple balls. And then, after that, I think I just got fun with it. Then it was like a kind of daily thing to do now. And then then I just got into it more and played tournaments, and then tournaments got fun. So that's pretty much how golf got okay. into me. So you, you live in Red Deer, so how do you stay sharp during the winter when obviously our golf courses aren't open? Um, uh, mostly when I'm in Red Deer, I go to indoor golf simulators or I go to the States to practice and some off-season tournaments. Oh, good. Okay. So you get to play a bit during the winter as well. Uh, who, who got you into golf? Tell me a little bit about, uh, your, your family support. Um, my dad got in. My dad got me into golf. Um, he's not a good golfer. He just liked golf. So, and my mom and my brother does not know how to golf. So it's kind of me that kind of got into. I just kind of got into golf by myself. Okay, so you're the best golfer in the family. Now, who who was at the tournament? But were mom and dad and brother all there? Yeah, the whole family was there. Yeah, how how important is that to you? Um, normally we don't come this far as a family together, but it's fun coming all together because they can all support me during my tournament. I bet. Okay, what's your home course in Red Deer? Do you have a course you you that you're just kind of your home course if you were to name one? Red Deer Golf and Country Club. Red Deer Golf and Country Club. So you must be a pretty big deal there. You're shaking your head. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's that's good. That's good. It's remember this is going on the radio, so we got to hear you. Okay. <laughs> that's all right. All right. So now, so this was just yesterday. You won or Wednesday? Yesterday. Just just yesterday. Now this is in the Maritime, and you're still in the Maritime. So what's coming up for you now? Uh, my next is Canadian Women's Amateur. And when does that start? In Halifax. In Halifax? And is that right away? Yes, it's August 1st to the 4th. Okay, so right away, I think that's Tuesday to Friday. So you're staying out there and you get to play in the Women's Amateur. All right, and this will be the this will be the biggest tournament you've ever played in? Yes. Which I know you're still young, but would you like to play in college? Would you like to play on the LPGA someday? What are you thinking? Um, my biggest dream is go- to go to the LPGA tour, 
but I want to go to college first and then turn pro. Okay. Who are some athletes or golfers you look up to? Lydia Ko is definitely my role model. Right on. Okay. Well, this is this is pretty amazing. I, I mean, 14 years of age, you win the Canadian U19 title bundled in with the U16, and now you get to play in the Canadian uh, Women's Amateur. P- pretty cool summer holiday. You'll have lots of stories for your friends when you get back to school in Red Deer. Yes. Yeah, you will. Okay. Uh, well, Eileen, thank you very much for coming on Inside Sports. You're a great story. I have a feeling you're going to give us occasion to talk again in the future because obviously you're doing really, really well here. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you.